Welcome to the Hunter's Hub. You're going to have some noise pollution from a train in the background, but uh, <laughs> this is uh, uh, the video game podcast born of the Monster Hunter community and your host, Fortwan, joined by Sasha. How you doing? Pretty good. A little tired. I've had a really busy work week, but ready to go. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm tired, but it's because of the tooth stuff, which is getting removed Monday. <gasps> You're so close. Yep. Uh, major surgery, apparently. So I'm not allowed to drive. So my brother, Chauncey here, welcome to the show. He's going to be driving me. I'm going to be knocked out with sedatives and drugs all day. And I have the kids all week. So we'll see how that works out. Awesome. I always go put peanut butter in your face. Let the dog have fun. I actually have peanut butter now. That was a thing. That was a thing like... People were having an argument about, like, what kind of peanut butter do they have in their house? Because uh, some of the D&D friends that Pan and I have through a different Discord uh, were talking about American peanut butter having too much sugar. And I was like, what do you, what, like, I was looking at, so I was like, I went to the grocery store, uh, and I was like, okay, I guess I'll just look at peanut butter. Sure enough, Jif has, like, three times the amount of sugar of any other peanut butter. So I was like, oh, okay. I guess that's why people like Jif so much. So I'm trying out a different peanut butter to see if I like it. But I, it's also when I realized when they had that conversation, I was like, I don't have peanut butter in this house. In fact, I don't have a lot of those like condiment-like things in this house. So I had to buy a bunch of that stuff. So, yeah. Um... Also, today's been crazy windstorms here, at least in Ohio, and I guess up there in Michigan as well. So, yep. a lot of a lot of people lost power today, yeah. including Sean. I uh, I came home to no power. Asked my parents how long the power had been out, and their answer was the power's out. Yeah. Were they just sitting there like mom on her phone and dad just like? Uh, half asleep again they went and took a nap upstairs so they're like oh, oh we just can't see anything except for the alarm clocks to know the power's out it's like okay cool well i just got to let Chan know that probably not going to be here but i guess it was out out for about two and a half hours and came back mm. yeah 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 i i heard from uh some of my uh friends that here in town and, and one that's out by chance that their power were out today too. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. I am good. And one of them is not that far away. He, uh, I don't know if you know chance, but he, Ricky just lives like out Eastern Avenue past the, the bridge a bit. Hmm. So he's like less than a mile away from me and he lost power too. So, Hey, if you're on the most grid, let... they're going to keep that up and running. It's true. Everyone likes Moe's, which is like, a, I don't know if you had a Moe's around you, Sasha. It's just like a no. Chipotle. It's a different, it's like a more. More American Mexican tech... kind of stuff than. Yeah. More Tex-Mex than, than whatever Chipotle is. I don't know what Chipotle is. They call it Mexican grill, but I'm like. It feels so American. I don't even associate it with Mexican food. <laughs> I just 
It just doesn't even cross my mind that way. So, um, without further ado, tonight is about villains. Uh, Ace left us this topic and some answers of his own that uh, that I will be reading. And uh, like what we did with the dinosaur topic last week, we are going to, instead of doing like top three or whatever, we're going to go into some more, I don't know, different strokes of it. So uh, one or two of our favorite villains. I have three because I thought of one while trying to answer something else. Um, a villain that should have been better. Uh, and literally it was like just before we started, before I answered this question, because goodness gracious, do I not like this feels very much like along the lines of comic book superhero stuff. When you talk about villains and this is like the, the, like I talked about last week, like the blind spot for me in in nerd culture is the hero stuff, heroes and villains. Like I'm not, it's not my thing. So this took me a while to figure out. And then a, a villain that died slash left the story that would want to come back. Um, and mine, my answer is a bit of a bending of that interpretation for that one, but we'll see where that goes. So that's what we're going to be answering tonight. Um, I did want to give you a little bit of an update as an audience in Sasha. Uh, I did get to play a lot more Octopath Traveler and I got a little bit more of the story. Now I didn't, the, the one that's boring and flat, the one that wants to be famous, got nothing else on her yet. I didn't, I'm not progressing her at all yet, but, um, so do you remember the, the, the scholar who his rival had basically like in jealousy, like burned down the guy's house and family. Yep. Yeah. Um, turns out there's a twist to that. Um, he didn't just do it out of spite. He did it because he needed the wife's blood because she's part of some sort of bloodline that carries the specific gene to create this abomination that is supposed to be the aspect of true magic. So his whole field of study is learning magic through monster blood. So like he, he all of his theories and thesis is that we're talking about the, the, the bad guy here um, is he slays monsters. So like if it's a monster that has ice magic, you can find ice crystals in their blood and whatnot, according to this universe. So his theory was that you would find the source of true magic in humans since they can cast spells and this particular life blood of this woman was from a particular line of people called the light something. And so he specifically targeted this guy's wife because she was part of the bloodline and coincidentally his daughter so they didn't burn alive. There were doubles placed in to fool the guards and he kidnapped them and then turned, well, killed the, the wife in some human experiment thing and then erased the daughter's memories and replaced them with memories of him being her father and has taken over as her father. And that is where I am left going into chapter five. It's bad juju. Yeah. Did uh so, did your scholar character know that his wife was so special? 
Yay! Uh, Hi. So we we lost you at. So did your scholar? Yeah. Um, I was asking, did your scholar know that your wife was so special? No. It was all sort of revealed as some like big villain speech uh, when you find him uh, at the end of chapter four. And then had to fight the abomination that was made out of your wife's blood. This crazy purple magic dripping golem. Okay. Yeah. So no, he didn't know any of that. He thought that Harvey was just jealous, like what I assumed. And he was like, why did you hurt my family? Like, that was his big question to him. He's like, you know, like, I admire your studies and you're a brilliant man, but why did you hurt my family? I want to know answers. Like, he obviously still had respect for his fellow scholar, which is weird, but, like, he obviously was on to killing, kill him, too. He's like, so he's, like, yelling at him, you know, why did you hurt my family? Why, you know, why bring them into this? And he's like, well, it's elementary, my dear <laughs> Oswald. <laughs> this is sort of, like, the, the air of arrogance that he was giving him. And, yeah, it's... And then he slips away and with the daughter and while you're fighting the golem it's yeah it's it turned out to be much more complex of a story than i thought and then uh i am actually at the end of ocheta who's the huntress's story the, the cat woman uh and i am that's the final boss that i was talking about before where i have attempted this no less than six or seven times and got game over on it um, and I have grinded out a few levels to, to sort of like help out with it and stuff. The fight is legitimately the first wall I've hit in the game. Uh, and I never hit a wall like this in Octopath 1. This is ridiculously difficult. Like, uh, Chance saw me fight it a couple times, was helping me out when he was spending some time with me yesterday. There's, there's a point in the, in the, uh, boss fight where it starts to get to go three times in a row and stuff. And it's like... A thousand damage to everyone twice. Oh, let's do that again. And then it's like, oh my gosh. And like when you have like most of my characters have between 2000 and 2500 health, like they can't withstand that three times before they get to heal up between attacks and stuff. So there gets to be a point in the fight where it's just a wipe. So I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Like, are so. you missing some item or something? I think he missed early on. Know. He should have been using Akala because it specifically is buffed for that fight. Yes. there. So some of your, like, so the Huntress has the mechanic where she captures monsters and she has her own companion. And Akala is the companion. And Akala is buffed for that fight. Like some sort of like energy swirls around him. He's like a, he's like a mix between like a fox and a wolf. He's like a leaner wolf, essentially. And um, he gets, like, super big. Like, normally he's like, oh, he's like a wolf-sized fox or whatever. But then he becomes, like, an elephant-sized wolf uh, for this fight. And I was like, oh, wow, I should have been using him. But the problem is the, the mechanics of the game is, like, there's a shield value. And if you break the shield value... Um, it sort of stuns the boss for two rounds. Like, so that round and the next round. And Akala, for the majority of the fight, doesn't actually contribute to that stun. So that's why I wasn't using it as much. Because it only attacks in... Because, like, all of... There's elements and then there's physical 
weapons that do different things. And Akala only attacks in sword or dagger mode. And in the stage of the fight that I was having a lot of trouble with, swords and daggers don't do anything. So it was just sort of like, I'll just use Akala when it doesn't matter for that point of the fight. But it's just, it's just, I don't know. I got to figure it out. I've, I'd only attempted one more time today because that's all I had time for with the kids. So we'll see. But I have spent a good six or seven attempts and some level grinding to to try to deal with it and rethinking, changing up like builds and everything. Like I, I did put on a darkness repellent neck, ne- necklace, which is a lot of what the damage is, is dark damage. So still didn't help that much. So I don't, I don't know. There's just a certain, like if it does a certain thing in the fight, I'm just done. Like, and it doesn't always happen. So it's sort of random, but it eventually happens. It seems. So anyways, um, so yeah, that was a bit of the Octopath stuff. I mean, there was, there's more to all the char- all the four characters that I'm mainly playing. Like, um, you figure out that another situation of child being stolen, you figure out that your thief character, Throne, that her father, that she calls her father, she almost figures out that she's his real father. And you're like, oh, okay, that you'll be kind of a a believable sort of like catch or whatever. Nope. Kind of like what's happening with the scholar. Um, he kidnapped her and raised her as his own daughter because, uh, her mother who has since perished, uh, had a kid with a different guy and he didn't like that guy. So he killed that guy and your mother and then stole you to raise as your own because you should have been his daughter because he was in love with your mom. So like stuff like that, like it's just like a lot crazier of a plot than I expected for a lot of the things. Um, and the Temenos thing, the investigator, the really cool one, the the cleric that ends up being more of like a detective, uh, you find out that the, the church is the one behind all the murders and the cult. So you find out it's ultimate like <laughs> corruption within the, it's not like some like, it's not like some subsect within the church that are, you know, being manipulated. No, it is the church. It's like Captain America civil war. They have, they have infiltrated the highest levels. <laughs> so you're like, Oh no, what is going on? Um, and I love his motto. Doubt is what I do. So, as a as a cleric, doubt is what I do. I just I like it a lot. Um, but yeah, I when I've had time, that that's what I've been playing. I've also been playing a lot of Fortnite again. Uh, the girls now are playing Fortnite, and the girls and I won a battle today in Fortnite. We actually got like a victory crown. That was. Emery doesn't really help at all. Uh, Emery just runs around. Uh, she rarely even picks up a weapon. So that's a stressor. Cece helps, but she's not very good at it, and she sort of panics. So it was largely just me having a sniper rifle and picking off people from a distance and just not engaging is how we won. And then when we were the last team against another one team, they started off pretty far away. I whittled them down from far away and they got close and I got a lucky shot. Like it wasn't anything like super skill. It was just like, 
nope, we have a strategy. I know what I have to do. Just I just have to pick things off from far away. That's that's all I can do. Because they get close, I've got two dead weight. <laughs> but yeah, I've also been playing that with my high school buddies. So it's been... I never thought I'd be playing a lot of Fortnite, but here I am with all the crazy kids playing Fortnite, the Fortnites. So um, that being said, our topic we did talk about is the villain. So Sasha, if you don't mind, I'm going to have you start off with us tonight. Sure. Um, my first, I have two for the favorite villains. Um, sure. And I, I think that they, they both have a, have something in common so i'm just gonna say both of them um i have okay. handsome jack from Bo- the borderlands series and yeah. i have shale gorath from oblivion well i mean he's from elder scrolls but like specifically shale gorath from the shivering isles and oblivion okay i'm not as familiar with shale gorath but so i mean he's the daedric prince of madness so Talking to him is like talking to like a true chaotic character. Um, mm-hmm. He's just completely unhinged. He's like got this charismatic, upbeat like tone, and he's smiling to your face while saying the most insane things to you, talking about like murder and mayhem, but also like protecting the people of his realm. And he's got this whole um, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde thing going on in the Shivering Isles with his himself um that he doesn't know is himself he has you going like on a series of quests to take out the big bad who's mm-hmm. this guy called Jigalag, which is him <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> so uh it's just a so really pull- so he pulls a dude where's my car on himself yeah yeah um, okay this is fun <laughs> and I think the Shivering Isles is one of the best like expansion packs, DLCs of games in general. It's massive. It's like a whole new map of the world, and it's beautiful. And for people, it was who, in Morrowind as well. Yeah, it was, a, it was also an expansion of Morrowind. So that's interesting. But like, you get a lot more story and lore building like you get to see the and interact with the golden saints and the dark sisters i think who are basically like the day and the night guards um going with this whole like dr jekyll mr hyde thing shea gorath is kind of like the daytime and jiggleleg is the night um yeah but yeah he's uh he's just really interesting it's fun to talk to him he the voice actor is great and then even within uh some of the other like games i go in skyrim you get wabajack when you uh do his quest line which is uh just a chaos staff like you just change anything into anything with it yeah um so i like show gorath he's just very funny and then with what he has in common with handsome jack i mean how can you be like a total douchebag, but like very charismatic at the same time? Handsome yeah. Jack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now I've never played the Borderlands games that he's in, but um, I am very familiar with him as a character in general from other things. So, 
he's just entertaining. I I don't think he's like any. I don't think he does anything in particular that I'm like, oh man, you know, I love that guy. But yeah, the dialogue is not repetitive. Like when he pops up on your screen when you're playing the game, like he's being really shitty to you, but it's pretty funny when he's doing it. Sure. Um, so well, that's the whole vibe of Borderlands, anyways. It's yeah, pretty much a comedic game. So. I, I always, even though I have never really liked the Borderlands series that much, um, I do appreciate its comedy very much so. So that's that's why I picked both of them for my uh, my favorite villains because I I like a villain with a sense of humor and I like a villain who doesn't take themselves too seriously. Okay. I say it really. Right. It took me seeing like a action figure of Jack to realize. But that's not his face. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Skin stretched over and all the clips around. It's like, oh, I guess I should have saw it's this pretty... knowing that Moxie wears, you know, probably five inches of makeup. Jack's face mask is pretty grotesque. Yeah, from from the pictures I've seen, yeah. Leatherface, kind of. Yeah. They looked unnatural, Which, uh, but I didn't rap- realize it was, you know, cadaver, basically. <laughs> hey, it's uh, taking the crazy to a new level. With a smile. That's kind of him, isn't it? Crazy and charismatic. Mm-hmm. Kind of the theme, kind of the theme for Sasha's uh, villains. Crazy and yep. charismatic. So, um, Dark Knight Joker as well, kind of fit that. I mean, more like uh, Mark Hamill Joker. Okay. Yeah. Respectable. All right. Um, so Chance, we'll have you. Uh, we'll have you go with your favorite villain. I picked one. Or villain. And it's it's vaguely more of an obstacle than a villain, but. Uh, it's my favorite because the satisfaction of realizing I actually get to effing kill these things. And Metroid Dread, you have this, you know, fear, terror component, supposedly why it's Dread. And it really comes about of these sectors that you get chased by these robots called the Emmy. They're really annoying. They basically give you unavoidable quick time. If you mess up, you die. If they impact you. Now, you can just outrun them and outmaneuver them. That's not a problem. But I'm not, te- like, my technical skills with gaming is not very high. So, like, they're they're annoying. And then all of a sudden, you get a temporary power-up. Your blaster cannon glows blue. You get a weird, instead of front-on view, you get tipped, like, 45 degrees. Yeah, you get the isometric view, essentially. And then you have an infinite blaster that blast away the faceplate of the Emmy, and then you blow its head off, and it's dead. And that's actually some of your, you know, your your progression of progression. getting powers is some of these Emmys lock these powers you need. Just my personal, these are annoying. This is really impacting my enjoyment of the game. And then they don't they don't really dangle that too long. I'd say it's probably you see Emmy, and then less than an hour later you get to kill the first Emmy. Hmm. And it's very, like, regimented of, like, the timing of being able to actually kill them. 
So getting to kill them, the satisfaction of killing them makes them my, one of my favorite villains because I wanted them to die. I didn't think they'd ever let me, and then they let me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they make it very clear you cannot hurt these things. Not and not just through the dialogue, but also through execution. Like you shoot them with stuff, and rockets bounce off, and it's just not even nothing happens. So th- when you flip the script on them and get to kill them, that's that. It, I agree. That's a very fun moment. It made the game almost better than Fusion. I still think I like Fusion better than Dread, but. It's been long enough that I've only played Fusion twice. I don't know. I'd have to play Fusion again. But I think Dread sits sits on top for me for the Metroid games. Maybe Super Metroid is up there. I don't I don't know. So uh so the Emmy. Uh okay. Um don't let Emery hear that. She won't like that. Because we call her Emmy. So She'll get mad. That's why she's in bed, right? Because it's late. Should be. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Looks behind you very suspiciously. <laughs> That'd be great. Right? Horror movie, uh, horror movie, horror movie moment where she just like tips out from the dining room and it's visible behind us. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so Ace gave us a couple answers. Um, which I'm just going to read his answers that he dropped with us. Um, uh, Lily Call from the Walking Dead Telltale Games. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to read this verbatim because I have no context of what these are, so I'm not paraphrasing here. Uh, so he, he said she deserves some sort of surprise villain. Uh, she serves as a, a surprise villain in the series because she appears in the first season then comes back for the final season. Initially, she seems to be a level-headed person with a gruff, crass father. However, as the apocalypse sets in and loses said father, it becomes more apparent that she's being molded by the new world, growing more and more unhinged. Uh, She kills Doug or Carly, depending on who you saved earlier. After your group flees abandoned attack in the final season, she returns as a member or uh, as a member of a ruthless group that kidnaps other kids from Clementine's new group, including... uh, her surrogate brother slash son AJ. See, I, I'm reading this. I have no context of what this stuff is. Sorry. So, um, so overall, she's a pretty interesting depiction of what an apocalypse will turn a person into. Is is his point? If you have anything to add on that, Sasha, because I, I don't know I what I'm saying. Hate that bitch. Uh, if I'm totally honest. <laughs> so she is like yeah. I, and I want to speak to the manager type of person uh, pre-apocalypse and her dad is a MAGA dude and he's a piece of oh. shit too and uh, you get real like sense that her dad is racist against you because you're Lee in season one you're the black guy so you get the sense that they don't like you and they don't trust you just because of that um, oh boy and then she was not a surprise villain to me. I didn't get any good vibes from her from the very moment we meet her up into the up to the point that she shoots Carly or Doug on the side of the road. And then when I saw her again in the final season, I'm like, not this bitch again. Like, are you serious? So mm. not one of my favorite villains. 
Got ya. Well, that's one of his. Uh, and then Dorman from Shadow of the Colossus as his other. And I don't think you played Shadow of the Colossus. That's more of a PlayStation thing. Yeah. Um, Which one's that? Uh, so Dorman is the Dark Lord that misguides you uh, into slaying all the 16 Colossi. Uh, sexually, essentially acts as a reverse Horcrux. And once all are defeated, your body acts as a vessel for Dorman to return to the world. Uh, one would think the black tentacles emanating from the entity you just killed and entering your body would be enough foreboding sign, but love must conquer all. Luckily, the men pursuing you are able to counteract your actions, turning you into a horned baby, is his words on that. Um, uh, so Dorman being the sort of like puppeteer behind the, the voice that sort of tells you what to do in the story. Um, it's been a long time since I played Shadow of the Colossus, uh, but I guess it's his favorite, one of his favorite villains. Um, to be honest, I don't find this one to be that that interesting. He's just sort of like a voice behind. He's literally just like a narrator tells your character to go do something, and then he possesses you at the end because you essentially released him because the Colossi were sort of keeping his essence imprisoned. Because, like, who would go kill these, like, giant 15-story monsters, right? Um, but he basically tricks you into doing it because your your lover uh, will be resurrected if you do. Unfortunately, uh, while he's not lying, and she is, uh, you become the bad guy at the end. So you get possessed. So you don't even get to spend time with whoever you resurrected. So... Kind of like a deal with the devil kind of thing, uh, which yeah, I don't the know. Whole I, I, ma- nothing, nothing's free. Magic has a cost always. Yeah, so I, you know, I didn't really enjoy that ending myself. So I didn't really, to be honest, I didn't even know he was. Remember, he was a character uh, until he gave this answer. Like I, like oh yeah, I remember now. Sure, Shadow Colossus was an amazing game, but like. I would have put a story up there for me, but that's, you know, this is it. That was Ace's thoughts. I don't want to discount what he, what he's saying. You know, that's just, I just don't share that, uh, that opinion, I guess. Um, so for me, I have three answers. Um, two of them are fairly simple. Uh, they're not really complex answers. Number one for me is just a classic villain. I love him. Bowser. Uh, like, I used to not really like him as a kid, but I got to play him in Smash Brothers, and you get to play him in other groups and then uh, other games. And then um, his he doesn't really get, like, a personality, per se, until Super Mario Sunshine. Uh, at the end of the game, basically, Bowser Jr. kidnaps Princess Peach, keeps calling her Mommy, which is very uncomfortable because, you know, there's this whole thing about well aren't mario and peach kind of a thing like what's this whole thing like you know did something happen when she got kidnapped one of these times and now bowser jr is actually no it's literally um yeah at the end of the game where they're defeated and and he's just sitting there either they're on a ship or they're on an island or something as the sun's setting bowser and his son you get to see sort of like this loving, you know, fatherly side of Bowser, despite being this like, you know, terrible King turtle dragon. Um, he's like, you know, son, you know, she isn't really your mom. 
And uh, Bowser Jr. is like, I know, Dad. I just want you to be happy or that kind of thing. And then this sort of like the game sort of ends and you're like, well, that was a lot deeper than I than I expected Mario slash Bowser to go. Um, but I just like Bowser as a character. He's got that. He's lost nearly every time, but he is so sure of himself every time. Like he's just like that. The, I don't I like the. I like the unflappable charisma that he has, but he just doesn't deserve it. He still just does it. You know what I mean? Like, like he, there's, he's, he's a leader of his troops. He cares about his troops. Uh, he's got a real fun personality, which technically isn't canon, but he's got a fun personality in the, um, the super Mario RPG that, that square Enix did, uh, back on the super Nintendo. Uh, I'm, I swear he's the person that cries the most in that uh, in, in that game. Uh, maybe outside of Mallow. Mallow cries a lot too. But like it's just funny. Uh, he keeps losing pieces of his army and he's like he's got this hurt pride that he doesn't want to let go of and he like finally relinquishes himself to be like, okay, I will let you help me, Mario, to get the princess back. We will work together to get get her back from this other dude. Okay? And you know like his his just sort of like his like un did you ever see the 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 Lego Batman movie? Nope. So there's this this thing with the Joker that the Joker in the Lego Batman movie thinks of himself as Batman's arch nemesis and Batman's like I don't care about anybody that much. And that really super hurts the Joker's feelings. Like that's the kind of energy that I get from Bowser, where he's like, "We have this rivalry, Mario. This is important to me. This relationship of us having a rivalry is important." Kind of deal. So, like, I I really enjoy the the. I don't know. It's it's not that he's entirely. Uh, what do you want to say? Incapable as a villain. It's just that he always loses and you know, he's going to lose, but he doesn't know it. And it's just like, I don't know. It feels like a, a fun character in that way. It gets a little comedic. Uh, my second answer is Diablo from the Diablo series. Uh, I do love him as a character because he of all the villains is still the most intelligent uh, in a lot of games even though he ends up losing a lot of the time, he does sort of uh, in both uh, Diablo one and two and, and even in three, he does sort of machinate his own return several times through manipulation of fear and whatnot. And him being the specifically the Lord of fear in that series, it's, it's really fun to see how much he wields his power even over other creatures and other beings and other demons and stuff. Um, and he end up, he sort of ends up being like the principal bad guy in all of that universe. A lot of the time, because, well, I mean, you played Diablo three. Do you remember much of the story where, yeah, for the most part. Yeah. So basically he does a lot of stuff to manipulate people and for him to being resurrected as the one prime evil. And, that was a lot of work behind the scenes, both against the angels, the humans and his own brethren. So like he trapped, you know, he machinated the downfall of the other demons for him to get this black soul stone and whatnot. And, 
yada yada. It you know it's all convoluted machinations, but I do like Diablo for that reason. He is an intelligent villain that you would normally see as a giant brute in such a game like that. Like uh, you know I'm the Lord of Terror, ha ha ha. But like no, he's actually for the most part intelligent and very strong. Um, there's some animated shorts that really show some of that more sadistic evil side uh, of of Diablo as well. There was a promotional animated short uh, that sort of saw him sowing um, sort of like uh, distrust between the, Ar- the, the Archangel Council where he sort of goads Imperius into killing him because he knows he's outmatched at, the, at that point. I mean, all of the... He's the one of the prime evils, one of the seven prime evils versus one of the, you know, the seven of the seven or the five of the five archangels at that point. He's not going to win. So we, instead of being captured and being, you know, rendered useless, he goads Imperius into killing him, which causes, just sows discourse between the angels because they wanted to capture him. And so him sort of playing into the rage of Imperius was another, like, intelligent way of like okay so if you kill me i'm just going to come back in another form in another way but if i'm captured you know i'm captured period so there was a lot there's a lot of cool things about how diablo sort of understands how to manipulate other characters as well uh that i think is interesting and my last one is and i came up with this trying to find the other answers i mentioned this to you guys specifically but for the audience moloch the glucken from Oddworld. He's the first sort of villain, um, and he's kind of like a stupid and can't do much for himself character, but he's purposely meant as a... He's the Basically, he's the head boss, the head CEO of Rupture Farms, which is the industry that is the meatpacking industry or, or business um, that essentially triggers Abe to run away because Abe is a slave worker for this meat industry. And he gets like employee of the month and stuff because, you know, he's just like, he's just good old Abe trying to do his thing, you know, trying to be, live his best life. And then he realizes, oh crap, we're slaves. Like, cause you know, obviously they don't want to make him think they're slaves. Um, He realizes, you know, like, oh, maybe we should be trying to escape and not trying to work for the company. And Moloch is not intelligent, but he's, but he's like, this slick businessman at the same time, there's this point where there's a board meeting because profits of all the meats are going down. And he literally has this line. He's like, watch this. And then he does the proposal for turning the Mudokans into meat pops. There's actually a little, uh, in like a little, little tagline, like Mudokan pops. And it's got their stitched faces on like a popsicle. That's a meat popsicle. He's like, watch this. And the projected uh, profits are like skyrocket. So ultimately he's a slave to um, the shareholders. So he's trying to make money for the shareholders, which, you know, again, a lot of this is a parody of uh, capitalism and that kind of stuff. But when you get one-on-one with Moloch, he can't do anything. Um, It's revealed at the end that through him specifically that the Gluckens, even though they are the ones that sort of rule everything, don't like they basically are just like a head with really long arms and small legs. Like they have no 
ability to do anything themselves. Um, they have to have all of their help to just move around and pull levers and stuff. Like they can't, like if you look at their suits, they're like, they really done up suits. There's no arms. They don't have arms. They just have these little twinkly feet that they run on. They're essentially running on their fingertips. Essentially. If you look, uh, if you, it's weird. Basically their arms are their legs and their legs just are just short and vestigial and don't do anything. So they're basically just a giant suit that looks like nothing. And it was just, it's a parody to how, you know, in, in the point, the, the people's point, you know, that made the game's point of view of CEOs don't basically do anything. (laughs) Um, so it was interesting. Uh, it's interesting for him. I, I like him as a character because ultimately he has no power, but he commands power just through prestige and presence, that kind of thing. Um, and he still tries to order people around, even at the end. He's like, hey, get over here. And you know, like, you can't do this to me. I'm so-and-so. And then you do it and he dies and whatnot. But it's just... I don't know. I, I I like the idea of 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 him as a as a character. Not necessarily because he's like a good villain per se, but more so like I like the 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 idea that he represents the parody. I like the parody quite a bit, if if that makes sense. What what he's the idea behind him. So, Moloch the the Glucken. Um, if anything, Sasha. Just seeing the cutscenes of Oddworld is good enough at one point. Like, just watch them as a movie, because that's kind of how they're meant to be. It's pretty good. It's pretty funny stuff at times. Um, but it is spoiler for the game if you ever do intend on playing it, because that's sort of... That's back when the era of, like, cutscene was the reward kind of the deal. Yeah. Beat the, beat the level, here's the cutscene kind of deal. Um, okay. So, uh, our second one, uh, is villains that should have been better. So what was your, your answer for that, Sasha? Uh, right. This is pretty on brand for me, but sure. I picked a villain from new Vegas. Okay. I picked Benny from new Vegas. So, you know, you've seen Benny cause you've played at least the first five minutes of the game. Um, yeah, he's the is, one. It, it, the, oh, let me let me guess. Is he the one that is standing there, like smoking with a bunch of guys? That basically is. The game was rigged from the start, baby. Yeah. Y- yes. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Matthew Perry. So, I have a little quote <laughs> that I thought of about Benny, um, mm-hmm. and with this question being a villain who should be better. So the quote is from "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." And it's, accept the fact that you're white trash, all right? Look at yourself. You can't do backflips. You don't know karate. You're white trash. (laughs) So, Benny is worthless. Um, Oh, okay. He, in my opinion, brings, like, nothing to the table other than, like, I guess charisma, I think is Mm -hmm. what he's supposed to, like, if if you could see his character sheet, it's charisma. Because he can't, he can't fight. He... He can't he can't fight hand to hand. He can't fight with melee weapons. He has a really good pistol and yet somehow still gets captured by the Legion. Like he has he has a pistol that he can smuggle in places because when you kill him, you can take it and smuggle it into the casinos. So like this man hmm. just has no sneak. 
no fighting skills, no nothing. And to me, I feel like he should not have been so easily defeated. In multiple ways, you can so easily defeat him. If you play as a female right. character with the Black Widow perk, you can sleep with him and then kill him in his sleep. Okay. If you don't do that, you can also just attack him in the tops. And, like, I have won that fight every single time with, like, the lousiest weapon that I would, like, my silenced twenty two pistol that I was able to smuggle in. I'm able to take him and his boys out right, right there in the tops. No real fight at all. And then the third option, if you don't kill him at the tops and you don't Black Widow him, is he gets captured by the Legion. And then he's he's literally just, like, it's your choice. If you want to kill him, if you want to let him be enslaved, he, hmm. he just has no real impact at all beyond the starting point of the story. And Interesting. I, I think that they really missed the mark on this because, number one... One there's there's more than one way to beat the game. There's more than one route. There's more than one ending, and there's one of the endings is called the yes man ending, and the yes man ending is when you follow all of the suggestions of the yes man robot, which was programmed by Benny, mm -hmm. and Benny has this whole setup in the tops where he's planning on reactivating and taking over all the Securitrons so that he has control of the strip, like, so that he can take out the NCR, so that he can storm the Legion camps. Like, he's got this whole thing going on. He knows where the Brotherhood is hiding in New Vegas. Like, he has yeah. all these best laid plans. Why isn't he doing that? Why is he just playing poker and getting caught by the Legion or getting uh, choosing, choosing to sleep with a person that he shot and buried in the desert. And then you're like, you know what though? He, he's like, you're kinky, baby. I like that. Doesn't question it at all. Just, yeah, sure. Come on <laughs> up, come on up to my room. So I just really feel like Benny could have been a true adversary had they just, you know, like, let the character do what his plans were. You know, like, after watching some movies uh, with Matthew Perry in it, like, serving Sarah and the whole nine yards and stuff, that uh, that voice actor fits that personality. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. He does a great job. Yeah. I would have loved to have more dialogue from him. If he, uh, yeah, was useful. Yeah. Yeah. So that's okay. my answer. Benny was wasted in New Vegas. Okay. All right. Uh, so, so Chance, you're, uh, I know the answer to this one. We've talked about this extensively, but go ahead. The, so my answer <laughs> is Lubu from Wo Wong. We, we just went through this recently, got the platinum, both Cham mm -hmm. and I, every yep. collectible thing done. And my big issue came down to. We had to fight this fucker twice. The, you're you're based on like the five the five elements, and you, you're gonna fight some things that are strong against you because they are your weakness. So I wanted to be a caster, so I had to be metal. Metal was the the caster, because it was the only way to make spells cheaper reliably. Okay, so I'm doing poison damage debuffs. I like this. This sounds fun. Lubu just being associated with fire meant he took 
less than a quarter damage from everything I did. Like, okay, I can try to put up with this. But then these, you know, Sekiro, Souls games, you know, the basic idea is break their posture, they get vulnerable, get a big smack in, do a few more times you win. That's absolutely not what this fight mm -hmm. is. It is... He's on the horse, and the horse became tolerable, and the game definitely, at the intro, was a little bit of like, hey, you need to be a certain amount of good to actually even play the game. <laughs> so, This is what I call the Tokyo Drift horse, too. Like, this cutscene. Because he does, he's slowly, he actually is riding on a horse, and it slides sideways on its hooves, like around a corner. And I'm just like, what? Horses don't do that. But visually, there's some very glitchiness about how much he moves with his actions. So you you fight mm -hmm. him on the horse a little bit. He has like a charge and a stomp, and you counter those a few times. You break his posture. He falls off the horse. Cool. So now he's on the ground mode with his glaive. You break his posture. You do your execute. He doesn't take extra damage. Every other boss in nope. this game. I'm pretty sure every other boss in every other game like this, once you break their posture and you do the execute button, it's like a half or a quarter of their health. No, he just takes, you know, if you're doing 40 damage a slice, he just takes 280 like you executed a common soldier and you do a yep. 20th or a, a 25th of his life with that. And the first time we did that, I was like, oh, this is going to crush my happiness because this is a... He does extra damage to me also because my gear is meant for the metal focus stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's other little complaints too. Like he does a lot of stuff with firing a bow. His bow shots, the act of him firing the arrows can impact you if you're standing behind him. Like he can shoot either out in a wave or kind of a three-dimensional ellipse where they shoot out and then come in at you. I just... Yeah. I could have forgiven terrible. a lot. Because <laughs> we, we played the original fight on the original difficulty. You're probably there three hours before we called in some help yep. to get through it. And it's not like I'm great at gaming. I feel like I became decent at this fight by the time we were getting towards the end. But... You break his posture off the horse. You break his posture. You stab him. You probably break his posture again and stab him again. And then he gets back on the horse. Because you're not only fighting the fight. You're fighting this clock of him jumping back on the horse and healing all of his posture. Because his posture resets when he gets on the horse. Mm -hmm. And then you have to do all the same rigor moon. And then he gets off the horse. It's just... It's an endurance fight. It is too much perfection versus everything else. Like, one of my yep. favorite bosses in that game comes yep. almost at the end and is very reasonable. He takes big exaggerated damage from the executes. Mm -hmm. And because I was trying to stay away and cast spells, him being lumbering and kind of slow, meant I could just give him poison. And walk away. Like, I literally didn't have to do anything. Whereas this is, like, maybe middle of the game. Yeah. No, it's chapter four out of seven. It's, like, the first first battlefield in chapter four. Beginning. Yeah, beginning of chapter four. 
not like the end. So, essentially, right in halfway of the game, and he is literally the hardest boss. There's no contest to uh, any other boss being harder. And, you know, I could forgive a lot of it. It was it was just fine. It just needed to not... If the executes did the damage like he was any other boss, it would have been fine. I guess the one thing that would have been like, that was tough. We took a while to learn the fight. I'm happy we got through it. But instead it was... I'm struggling to get fun out of this, and I don't want to play games like that. <laughs> nope. At least the second time we were a little more wise to it, and we summoned help earlier. They're like, okay, we tried a couple times. We're not getting through this. We need to summon someone. Oh, cool. The person we summoned is uh, water magic, which is the weakness. Cool. We got through it. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, some of it was our build, too, because I was an earth build. And our, while I don't have any advantage or disadvantage against fire um it wasn't doing anything like i wasn't i had no extra anything so we weren't doing a lot of damage period oh and he just one shots you if he like if he on his feet goes to do a big like because we call him like a red attack basically the attacks are like oh parry this and you really get some big advantage against their posture Mm -hmm. if he does starts yeah, any of those his glaive turns on fire and that's kind of some of what he's doing some of his theming the problem is like okay I'm ready to parry it because I parry it then the fire goes away and it's a big hit sometimes he just wouldn't walk forward with his charge swing into the air but now his glaive's on fire and all of his damage is increased until you break his posture or as we found out later just hit him with a water spell mm-hmm and it's just little little inconsiderate things like that really piled up to be like, I hate you. Mm-hmm. It was a late night. That was a late night that first time. I think, what was it, 2 in the morning? 2.30, I think. Yeah. It was... <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm not, not a paragon of video gaming. I'm saying I'm probably middle of the road when it comes to stuff like that. So the average person probably mm. was very sad at this. So, um, yeah. Uh, so I'll have uh, Ace's answer for this one. I guess his answer was Deathstroke from the Arkham series. Uh, not, not one I played as well. Um, but I have heard him complain about this before. So this is not news to me. Um, so overall, Deathstroke was vastly underutilized in the Arkham series. As I mentioned before, he's a strong rival to Batman and poses a threat to him and the Bat family. In Arkham Origins, you fight him towards the beginning of it, and that's it. Then in Arkham Knight, uh, you really only fight him in a tank again, and that's it. No rooftop chases, no cat and mouse assassin games, nada. It was disappointing, to say the least. That's all he says on it. So, Okay. Yeah, I've heard him complain about it before. Uh, yeah, Deathstroke is supposed to be a pretty nasty Batman villain, and they just didn't use him very much. And Arguably... The series of Batman that gets the most spotlight from the villains, which is the Arkham series. Uh, maybe outside of Joker. I, the Joker was a bit weird in Arkham Asylum. But, yeah, so there's that one. Uh, so my, my answer for the villain that should have been better is Odin from God of War Ragnarok. 
And I'm not going to say uh, it is should have been better based on the quality of the game. I think him as a villain was a wonderful villain. What I'm trying to say is his personality was his downfall in the game. He manipulated and pulled each other to pulled people under his own will so much in his game, which is arguably a crate of a good villain. However, that sort of crumbled against him in the end. Because he kind of pissed off the wrong people, a.k.a. Kratos and Atreus <laughs> in the God of War series uh, from manipulation and stuff. Uh, he He's a very smooth talker. It's very different because in all of the other depictions of Odin, uh, and I would say that my first time seeing him was the sort of like weird, crazy buff general on a six-legged horse in Final Fantasy VII. Uh, but, you know, you hear about him in Norse mythology and whatnot through through other things. Is the Odin was a very imposing character. He's, he's very imposing in the, in the uh, Marvel movies uh, as far as, like, how much power he wields and that kind of stuff. But he also is rather elderly and knows and, you know, passes away as well. But in this game, he is... Uh, basically a silver-tongued salesman. And it is very different from usual depictions of Odin. He is not not strong, but he looks very weak. Like, he does not look physically imposing whatsoever. And he has a temper about him, that's for sure. But ultimately, I think where he, he sort of lacks uh, as Odin is that he's just not that imposing. Like, he's not, he doesn't, you have to, like, it's very weird. It's this very manipulative side of him, but that, that sort of gets the power where he is. But that's because the people that know him, he sort of built up this power. Whereas every other depiction of Odin, he was just that awesome, right? <laughs> like it in the, in the God of War Ragnarok, it seems like he had built his sort of like castle on the manipulations and relationships that he had been manipulating through time. And then eventually that came crumbling apart with the right sort of strike. Whereas like, you know, every other idea of Odin was just that he was just that good. He didn't rely on his spy network of the crows. That was just a tool he had. He did, he wasn't he wasn't as uh, I don't know fallible as it feels like Ragnarok is. Uh, but that's also the point of the God of War series is that the gods are also quote unquote people and have their own fallacies and problems. Especially the the more modern God of War games, you know. A lot of it is Kratos sort of coming to terms with the fact that he's basically just murdered all of Greece. <laughs> all of the Greek gods, uh, including his own father, <laughs> Zeus. Um, so uh, that was sort of like the only answer I could come up with on this one. Again, I am not very much in tune with villains. So that's all I could think of having played anything recently that had a villain in it um, with Odin. So there we go. I'm not going to be long-winded about it because honestly, I 
the best I could come up with. <laughs> so uh, the last one is villains that we would like to see come back, uh, whether they left for some reason or, you know, whatever the reasoning being, what would you like to see come back as a villain? So Sasha, what is your answer for this? All right. Well, I'm going to take us on a little journey um, through another one of my favorites, which is Mm -hmm. Dragon Age. So the villain that I fully expect we will see in the next game, it's just a matter of how, is Flemeth, Mm -hmm. which is... um, you you played too, so you saw Flemeth um, in the beginning. So Flemeth in Dragon Age Two is the Flemeth is, is that the dragon? Yes. Okay. So she's like okay. the the dragon that turns into the the witch that helps Hawk and his family get to Kirkwall, like escape the yes. blight and get to Kirkwall. Um, and that's pretty much all they really give you. But the point of that is a callback from the original game. So in Origins, Flemeth is the Witch of the Wilds. She is a Mm -hmm. shapeshifter. She is the person that saves the Grey Wardens from the, like, from being massacred with the rest of the Grey Wardens. So, like, she saves your Grey Warden and she saves Alistair. And she says, like, hey... Um, you guys were betrayed by Loghain and take my daughter Morrigan with you and you guys are the old, like the last chance to stop the blight. So mm-hmm. you go with Morgan and Morgan's like a total bitch the whole time that you're with her. But she's got serious mommy issues. And she reveals that, to you uh, guys that... Never stops people from trying to romance her too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I get it. She's she's not bad to look at, but she'll tell you that there's a reason for that. It's very mm. um, it's very Miranda from Mass Effect Two, in the whole like mm. I'm so perfect, but like the reason that she's so perfect is because she thinks her mom is going to possess her, like take her body, because her mom is immortal and her mom keeps taking the bodies of her sisters, so. She wants your Grey Warden to help kill her mom. So you get this big fight. It's like one of the only actual dragon fights that you have in Origins. Yeah. Um, so you kill Flemeth. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. And that's that. But the other bit that happens in Origins is that Flemeth sends... Morgan with you because she wants Morgan to do the blood ritual that traps the soul, I guess, of the archdemon, which is an elder god. Mm-hmm. So she wants her to do this blood ritual because otherwise it's going to like take the soul of the warden. It's going to like take over and kill the great warden. So if you do the blood ritual with her, there's a child that is born. She gets pregnant and the baby takes the soul of the elder god so then in two when you see morrigan again it's pretty much to just be like hey yeah she's not dead and then in three (laughs) Mm -hmm. you see morrigan again 
um, at like your your compound. And Morgan's child is now like a preteen, and he doesn't understand that he has like the soul or the power of an elder god. And I'm not, I can't remember if if Morgan has even told him or not. So mm-hmm. there's all of that going on. Um, but late in the game, you go to this place um, that's a, it's, it's for the Dalish elves and you, uh, you can drink from this well. And if you choose to drink from the well, um, you don't have to. Morgan will if you don't. But either way, Flemeth finds you guys. And mm. Flemeth is apparently this, um, the reason that she has all this power and the reason that she is uh, immortal is because she is a servant of Mithal. Who may or may not actually be Solas. Um, mm-hmm. And she has been trying to um, trying to avenge the wrongs that came uh, of Mithal. And Solas ends up taking Flemeth's power and killing her at the end of Inquisition. Um, mm. So I'm really interested to see how she is going to come back in the next game because Solus is the big bad in the next game. And yeah, I don't, I don't know if she even can come back. I mean, I expect that she would, but if he took her power, fully took her power. Oh, and there's something else that Hawk does in the second game. Hawk like destroys a Horcrux or something or like releases Flemeth's spirit from the Horcrux and he doesn't even know that he's doing it. Oh Yeah. Um, so I don't know how Flemeth's coming back, but I really hope she does. There's a reason that they've woven her through the entire series. Okay. And, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Okay. All right. Flemeth, uh, from Dragon Age. Um, so Chance, the, uh, returning villain. Where are we at? Oh, I struggled with this one and kind of came up with a lazy answer. Uh, I just Lao Shan mm-hmm. Lung is the first siege boss monster from Monster Hunter. The first game it was actually kind of mm-hmm. cool. <clears throat> These games always have a like low difficulty and a high difficulty. You got to fight this high tier, high difficulty monster as your barrier to the high difficulty. So if you mm-hmm. got lucky and actually had a group that could kill it, you got some pretty good materials early on. But I mostly menis- most, mostly mention it because the fight's kind of lame, honestly. You start mm-hmm. by walking alongside it, either stabbing him in his head as he's just walking or hitting him in the gut. He's so large compared to you. There's even opportunities to just jump on his back and take some materials without really impacting it more than him bucking you off eventually. You can shoot some cannons mm-hmm. and blow up a spike on his back. Like It takes to two maps, two areas of him just kind of meandering and really ignoring you and unless you hit him enough to make him flinch. Then he gets in the final area. He'll stand up and then you're kind of hitting his feet and groin area and thankfully not animated at all. 
Um, and maybe you... And all, all you're really doing is trying to hit a damage marker to repel. Or if you get over the repel damage marker before time, you have that time to try to kill and get benefits for killing it. It is neat. I think it was a very enjoyable part of that game. 2004? <laughs> and we've had yeah. some very similar siege monsters occur. Uh, Shingeoran being the, the crab that the crabs in Monster Hunter have skulls of other monsters they kind of live in. And it lives in a Laoshan skull because it's a humongous crab. And we got Jin Moran mm -hmm. and Siodis. Uh, some other bigger monsters that fight in a similar, like, move alongside them and hurt them as they're just kind of moving and then have one fight with them. Now, I feel like the Seatus actually had a fight at the end in the big open water area. I just think yep. us being almost two decades out from his first introduction, he's shown up, I think, in... Probably Generations Ultimate as the most recent time we would have seen those siege monsters. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think he's in Generations Ultimate. I think the last time we saw him was four. Hey, who? I don't know. He didn't. It's been a he long. He didn't come time. in as anything different. Like he is this massive mm -mm. lindworm-like dragon. You know, no wings or anything. Four legs, big yep. old tail. It's actually pretty cool. Like actually, katana-looking horn that he has it's so big i just really want to yeah, see all right here's these horrific siege monsters that you just kind of had to walk alongside and poke put them in the new generation of games and make it a fight you know give us the yeah. thrashing and swirling humongous boss monster that we could have instead of you know the silly I don't even figure what they're called. Rampage. Wasn't a big fan of the Rampages. Yeah. Oh, the girls are. Especially Emery. So I would just really... Basically, it's a tower defense mode, essentially, Sasha. You set up ballistas and stuff, and they fight monsters for you, and you go down and fight them as well. But Tower defense mode for a siege, instead of a long, drawn-out, follow the monster until the end and kill it. So, yeah, I would just really appreciate we're getting better with games and stuff. And I like him. I like those those siege monsters. You know, Shingeo and Laoshan, um, Jin Moran would be the one we would probably see, not Seedus, because Seedus was an offline only. And you see, the most recent one that is along that lines is Zora Magdaros from World. And you still just kind of poke at it. Like, you're not really fighting it. But. Nope. You know, I kind of thought of this because we played Wild Hearts and Earthbreaker or Earthshaker or something to this name. Earth, I call it Bear Mountain. Earthbreaker. Earth because it is. Yeah, it's basically a rock bear that's the size of a mountain. And, yeah. you know, there's a little... It actually kind of had a cool fight. You follow it, you've newly developed a cannon, you're shooting at it, and then you get to this cliff, and then you're just like, I will save us. And you fight basically its arms and its face as they kind of like crawl and reek at you. Like that's cool. That, that is a little window into what I would hope we could get with these huge monsters. And I just like to mm -hmm. see a more earnest effort with that. 
Because I think it'd be neat, you know. At this point, it's like Cham. I've been playing Monster Hunter for 19 years now. 18 years. I just like to see mm-hmm. some of these things that made me enjoy and a lot of the wonder of the original game coming back instead of Googling how to do 14,000 damage in a single Great Sword Slash. I don't do that, but yeah. I know who you're talking about, but yeah. No, I think it's just more of a thing. <laughs> that's, that's I think the more of the wide, wide community yeah. is damage numbers are great. Sure, you're absolutely allowed to do that, but I just want to have fun and screw around. Yeah. Yeah, I want to play a game, not a spreadsheet. I get that. So, Leo Shun from Monster Hunter. Um, yeah. We'll see. We'll see, because uh, we're, we're waiting on news for the next Monster Hunter at some point. We're still waiting on news from the last title update in Sunbreak, which we weren't going to get today. And I have a rant for you today. And I it's the same rant that I have on every April 1st. Stop, for the love of everything, making fake game announcements. It's not funny. You've been doing it for 19 years, Monster Hunter community. Stop it. I got I got today for by from Fallout. Oh yeah. Yes. I, I I was so upset about it. Like I I even knew. Like I had said to my husband, I'm like, oh it's April first, there's gonna be a bunch of dumb shit on Facebook today. And then later I'm just like casually scrolling and I see it's like Fallout five has been announced. The map is gonna be twice the size of Fallout Four. And I'm like, oh, cool, cool. It's going to be set in New Orleans. I'm like, oh, my God. And then, like, the Death Claws are going to have big old titties. And I was like, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Because they're yep. going with the Mardi Gras bead stuff. Oh, yep. no. Yep. <laughs> so there, the, what set me off on this one, and it, it's, I've seen this exact one before, and I didn't fall for it because I know it's stupid. They're like, newly announced on Switch, a remake for Monster Hunter Freedom, Monster Hunter Freedom 2, Monster Hunter Freedom Unite, and Monster Hunter Try. And I'm like, immediately, I'm like, no, stop. This is so fake and so stupid right off the bat that it doesn't make any sense. First of all, let me explain to to, to you, Sasha, and, and to everyone else why this would never work. And it immediately, it's because they have Freedom 2, and Freedom Unite in the same game. This is like the doing that is like I'm going to sell you a cartridge. I'm going to sell you two games, right? I'm going to sell you Freedom Two and Freedom Unite. However, when I sell you Freedom Unite, you can't play Freedom Unite unless I give you Freedom Two's cartridge with Freedom Unite's cartridge with it. So you're essentially selling them two cartridges of the same thing. Because Freedom Night is literally Freedom 2 with expansion content. All of Freedom 2's content is in Freedom Unite. Now, on top of that, on top of all of this, is the fact that Freedom Unite, even though it being, or Freedom Unite being that sort of end all, literally has all the content of Freedom 1 as well. So, like, there's no reason to sell Freedom 2 or Freedom 1. There isn't. 
there isn't a map, there isn't a monster, there isn't, maybe there's a quest. Maybe there's like a specific quest that exists in Freedom 1 that doesn't exist in Freedom 2. Maybe. But essentially, those first couple games built off of each other with leaving nothing behind. There wasn't any monster left behind. The latest, the... So, like, it, it makes it so dumb when people are like, hey, look at this. We're going to do this and this. And it's the easiest mistake to point out for a Monster Hunter series. It's like, really? That's like saying, hey, we got you Morrowind and Morrowind plus the Shivering Isles. It's like, but you already got more. Why are you giving Morrowind again? Like, wh why are you doing what? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> And on top of that, the same pack had Try in it. And I'm like, they're never going to do Try. No one wants you to play Try again because they want you to play 3 uh, three Ultimate, which was the expansion of Try. And now there's a little bit more to be said about that because there's different mechanics in Try than 3 Ultimate, but they are mechanics, but they purposely left behind, like lighting. Like you could go and Try, there was a thing of like, you had to have a torch to go in a cave because you like literally was just so dark you couldn't see the monster except for it's small strips of bioluminescence in that one monster that you fight in the cave. But that's it. Like there's a couple that got rid of the medium bow gun. Whoopty freaking do. It was a, it was a type of bow gun that was between the light and the heavy. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, <laughs> so like, all these like fake monster hunter announcements that happen on Twitter every time and people are like, Oh, you got me or like stuff. I was like, it's just, people can read a date. It's not funny anymore. It's not like, and that's like for other game announcements too. Now I, uh, I appreciate when it's clearly a joke, like when it's just so over the top that you're going to like, you're like, Oh, okay. It's April fools. We're just having a laugh. And uh, actually, I'm going to praise uh, the Diablo team for what they did. We're announcing Diablo 12. We're skipping all the other Diablos. Screw Diablo 4. Here's Diablo 12. We're also announcing 12 new classes. So, like, the it's just a bear druid, and it's literally just a picture of a bear holding a sword in its mouth and, a, like, a helmet on its head. Um, the corporate necromancer. Uh, stuff like that where he was in a like just like just silly stupid things that, that are meant to be a joke like those are fine but someone doing like a deep fake of like a switch case and doing all this stuff you put a lot a lot of time and effort to do something that is honestly been done before and several other times before it's no longer funny and I, and like i said i actually tweeted about it earlier today i was like it wasn't it's not funny it never was funny and it will never be funny. Stop. <laughs> like there's nothing about this. That I sorry. I know it's a rant in the middle of the, <laughs> I, I broke our, our, our steam, but goodness gracious, that infuriates me. Just like, why, why are you wasting our time? So yeah, that was, that was me today. I didn't do a lot of that, but I saw one post like that and I knew it was going to happen today because April 1st. And I was just, nope, you, I'm done. I'm not looking at Twitter anymore. We're, we're done for today. Everyone sucks. 
Um, it's okay. I think. And of course, there's. Other... I think one of my friends fake listed his house for sale today. Jeez. Jeez, no. Um. So back to where we were. We're on the final part, which is the returning villains. Uh, and I'm about, and I'm going to read uh, Ace's answer for the returning villain. And um, Joseph Seed, quote unquote, the father from Far Cry. I'm assuming this is from the Far Cry the cult Five. One. Yeah, the one that was like a religious cult in Oklahoma or something some western state um new dawn so okay see so he does come back in far cry new dawn but far cry 5 is a standalone it's where he truly shines yeah so it was five right at the bat when you enter the eden compound to arrest joseph he's in the middle of a sermon he has a commanding presence that is chilling and if you've watched listen to and read materials on cults you know that the leaders are usually larger than life in their own way uh, hell, when you're flying on the chopper, you pass by his 200-foot-tall statue. Uh, through the game, you get this feeling of the demeanor and way of speaking that he knows more than you and, and that he's already won. At the conclusion of the game, when the world literally ends in a nuclear holocaust, that becomes more than apparent. It would have been interesting to have Far Cry game where he and all of his other surviving villains uh, or all of the other surviving villains make a return. Or have a game that follows directly after the events of Far Cry 5, New Dawn takes place 17 years after. Okay, so he likes the cult leader. I mean, that's that's on brand for Ace. He's very into the, the cult stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I never played far, any Far Cry, so I can't give more insight than what he said there. So, Joseph, the uh, charismatic leader. There's a cult of ghouls in New Vegas mm-hmm. that are trying to fix a rocket to fly to the moon. It just feels I like, like that. very, uh, very much like the Far Cry guy. His okay. His flock turned into radioactive ghouls. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so mine, uh, surprise, surprise, another Diablo thing. Um, cause you know, my, my hype for Diablo four is not going to die and I'm going to be excited for this game probably up through the whole of this year. <laughs> but, um, so if you're familiar with the Diablo story so far, uh, everything, there's all this talk about Lilith being the sort of the big bad guy in Diablo four, uh, bad gal if you prefer um the what i want to see return and this is a very you know specific one to diablo 4 and i want to see it answer some questions is the end of diablo 3 reaper of souls we had this thing with the black soul stone we had this thing with mothiel who destroyed the black soul stone to absorb all of the prime evils into himself give him all the power to defeat you the Nephilim, and then he fails, and then you see the seven evils uh, that went into him specifically before the fight, specifically escape when you kill him. No one captures them. They go out into the universe. So what I would like to see, all of the seven evils return. 
We have confirmation that both Duriel and Indariel are in Diablo 4 in some aspect. Okay. So I want to see all seven in Diablo 4. I want to see what happened to all seven. Maybe that's an expansion at some point because there is a there is supposedly planned expansions. But I want to see all seven return. So we've got um, we've got uh, Andariel, Duriel, um, Belial, and Osmodon are the four miners of the seven. And then you have Diablo himself with Bale and Mephisto being the other three. So all seven of them coming back. Of course, we're not going to have Diablo without fighting Diablo. I like, I, it would be insane if we don't fight fight Diablo. But we're probably also sounding like we might actually have to deal with some of the the Angiers Council. Uh, maybe Anarius himself is someone, someone we'll have to deal with, which is uh, Lilith's ex-lover, uh, the angel lover that started Sanctuary with her, uh, that is the quote-unquote father that they refer to in Diablo 4. And uh, we're probably... G- I suspect we're probably going to have to fight eventually Imperius as well. Him being turned to wrath, supposedly. Uh, although they kind of make it sound all hunky dory at the end of Diablo 3. I don't think that's the case. Um, Mothiel's certainly dead, so I don't know what happened there. Um, Hopefully we can figure out what happened to I also to just want to see the state. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see what happened to all of them, essentially. All of the major players, both angels and demons. Um, we're probably going to see some things return to. Uh, we know the butcher's back. Uh, and the butcher's back in his original form, not in his wrestling match form in the album <laughs> three. <laughs> I bring to you the butcher. Enter the cage. <laughs> um there's actually a, a really fun infographic I saw on Twitter from Diablo. This was like just because I, I clicked on Diablo's uh, Twitter account just to see the all the different classes I talked about with their joke tweet. Uh, but they had a nice infographic after the beta. Over 1,700,000 something kills uh, by the, the butcher in the, the, the beta over the course of the beta. So, because the butcher could could randomly appear in certain quests and and kill you, and okay. I guess he was a super difficult quest, like a super difficult monster that would just spawn out of nowhere. Um, so I I find that amusing. Uh, I like the butcher as a reoccurring villain, uh, even though he was just sort of like a side quest boss of Diablo One that became infamous for literally scaring the shit out of people. Uh, <laughs> I mean. There's a really good Carbot animation of this kid playing Diablo 1, and it's got this all cartoony stuff, and he opens up the door and it says, oh, fresh meat. And then the kid goes, ah, shuts off his computer, throws it out the window, hides under his blankets. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, so for me, uh, specifically the seven seven, uh, evils prime evils yeah the seven evils of, of diablo and i will add to that the five angaris council even if they're not villains uh per se i would like to see where they have ended up uh yeah because they're all cool i like them all um 
I just want to see where they went. Of course, we know that we're probably dealing with both Inarius and, and Lilith. So that is, uh, that is villains for you today. Um, this was a very tough topic for me. <laughs> I feel like I had to stretch like I a was, little. I sp- yeah, like it was not easy answering these for me. Like I feel like even Odin was a cop out because I was just like, I've got nothing. I mean, that I makes sense. Stumped. The style of game I play really lends itself to it. RPGs. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I'm playing like Octopath now. I talked about it earlier, and I sure Harvey being the bad sort of like scholar for against uh, Oswald in that story would be a great villain to talk about. I'm not done with it, so I don't know the full extent of everything. It sounds like everything terrible that Harvey has done is out on the table, but who knows? Like, so for right now, the big boss that I actually can't defeat in, in uh, Ochet's story, in the beginning of the game, you make a choice. Do you pick the magic owl or do you pick the physical wolf, you know, thing, Akala? And I picked Akala. That magical owl is the boss that I'm fighting because it was uh, because of the rejection. It like it went all depressive dark mode and wants to kill the world and swallow it in darkness because I guess I it didn't get picked on the lineup. And I was like, dang, that feels rough. And I almost wonder if you pick the owl that if Akala becomes that in a different storyline. I don't know. I probably won't be. I mean, I'm like, what what was I at? 32 hours? 35 hours? Over 30. And I'm not finished with any over. uh, Yeah, I'm over 30 hours and I'm not finished with a any particular person's story. And there's eight stories I got to finish. Now, granted, I'm towards the end of four of them. But that's towards the end of four of them. The other ones I'm in the beginning of. Chapter one. I've done chapter one on four of them. So. And I. So I assume I either got to do some grinding or I got to do something else. I don't know. So my my idea. (laughs) My idea has been I'm going to grind a level, go back and try again. If that fails, grind a level. Go back and try again, and I'm going to keep doing that until I win. Oh, that sounds painful. Good luck. <laughs> it is painful, but like I, I, I guess I could do a milestone till fifty or fifty-five, but grinding to fifty-five from fifty is a long time. Like that's a lot of grinding, considering the highest level of stuff I can face is forty-five. So there is a diminishing return on experience that I'm going to be getting. So, highest stuff that I can fight in is 45 until I defeat this boss. And the boss is recommended level 45, and I'm already 49. So, I'm just doing something wrong, probably. Morikawa. I'm trying. I've done Morikawa, but Akala doesn't break. Akala can't break in that stage. Okay, but I've seen you in the middle of that fight have a chet do a full power like vampire thing cat person thing i mean she just done a full power of a call attack i did do full power call instead of the vampire cat thing did it in this most recent one i died even faster i don't know how it's going 
I don't know what I'm like. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I am not particularly awesome at RPGs anyway, so we'll I'll get there eventually. We'll see. We'll see if next week I'm still talking about the same boss fight. See how many of my that'll be a good that'll be a good barometer for how well I'm doing on that fight. Um, now that being said, me losing, I don't. I feel like it's a little unfair, but I'm not super angry at it either. I'm just like. I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Not that it's necessarily unfair. Now I may have a bad team comp for it, but I can't fix that. I am not grinding someone up to 45 just so I can do this fight. It is not happening. Um, because yeah, because one of the things that it does, and I think you saw various points without the fight, it'll bite someone and it'll get an attribute based on who it bites, what their power is. I know Chet is always last, purposely so. Uh, but when it bites uh, Throne, the thief, it gets an extra action. It gets a third action. And it's actually, think random. It's not based on any sort of order outside of a Chet on who it bites first because I've had it bite any one of them first and any one of them second. Um, the part of the problem is I've got two really good spell casters and when it bites either one of them, my spell power is boosted by a lot. And then it bites the second one. My spell power is boosted by a lot. And I'm like, here we go. (laughs) So I don't know. We'll, I'll figure something out. Um, so next week, uh, I do believe, uh, Sasha, that's you again, right? I think so. Okay. I'm going to have to come up with something. I got nothing right now. That's fair. Um, I'm being, I'm being, I wouldn't say lazy because I, I, I enjoy doing it, but I think we're just, when it's my turn next time, we're going to do the, the guessing game again. The, the monster hunter continue that saga of, showing you a monster and describing it to Ace or some other people if we can get them on too. Actually today I was, uh, I never heard back, but Cosme who does a lot of monster hunter fan art, uh, he was going to suggest some people to come on and he never got back to me. So I was like, okay, we'll see. Um, but yeah, it'd be nice to have, uh, we got some monster hunter people to get on to help, help guess with Ace. That'd be, that'd be great. Cause, yeah. uh, it's fun. It's fun having you not knowing what you're looking at. <laughs> Still, I, I we did not like we did not get as far as I thought we would last time. Even though we took off pretty well, but I think we only did like one more row. I don't know. I don't know where we're at. I'll figure it out. So, uh, <clears throat> anything else to say tonight, guys? I don't think nope. so. Okay, well, we'll make it one of our shorter ones. We're only about an hour and a half in, but that's that's okay. Um, so thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. Um, next week, Sasha will be uh, heading up whatever we're talking about. We'll uh, announce it beforehand on Twitter, so be sure to follow us at HunterSubPod on Twitter and Twitch. And uh, join the Discord. Uh, we can talk and game together and uh, do all sorts of things. I, we haven't been gaming together too much lately, but there's not been a lot of multiplayer games that we've been playing. I, like I said, I've been playing Fortnite with my high school buddies, mostly because we were all just excited for Diablo 4, and we're just sort of talking about 
that while we're playing Fortnite and getting murdered because I suck at Fortnite. As much as I like shooters, I am not good at Fortnite. It's just, there's something different about that third-person shooter stuff that I just... I can't handle it. There's like the, the bunny hopping and the jumping and that, that kind of stuff. I've never been good at that. Never. Like people did that in Halo a bunch. I don't know. You played a bunch of Halo back in the day, but yeah, I was a troll in Halo. So as like the jetpack was the best part. Yeah. Yeah. Might do okay at Fortnite if you were a troll in Halo. Cause that's, I feel like that's what all, Fortnite people are just people trolling yeah. or super, uh, super accurate snipers. Like it, I, I swear. So, it's so it's like, just Halo. That's exactly what Halo was too. <laughs> Halo with random weapons. Yeah. Feels like that way. Yeah. Um, which I might understand why it does, it's such a popular game. Cause I mean, you know, Halo in its heyday was super popular. People loved playing it. I mean, heck it's why I had a 360 of them. It was Halo. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, once again, I have extended my goodbye. So, uh, we'll just cut it off there. So, thank you, everyone, and have a good night.